engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It is 8 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. Welcome. I'm not even going to worry about the phone number tonight. Who's ever calling, you can hang up. I'm not taking phone calls. Why? Yes, you. You, yes, hang up. Uh, I have an in-studio guest. For the next two hours, the governor, the 83rd governor of the state of Georgia, Brian Kemp, joining me. Welcome. Hey, good to be back with you, Eric. Thanks for having me on. So, yeah, I, I want to let you give a preview and talk policy with you. I... I saw the headlines from various reporters and whatnot around the state. Oh, he didn't delve into policy in his inaugural address. And and I get that, but I actually want to start with your inaugural address because I believe it was Jim Galloway of the AJC who pointed it out, and I've got a a column coming out in Macon on Friday that actually makes it more precise. You're the first governor in the history of Georgia to be born after Brown versus Board of Education. You in school integration had happened after or before you were born going through it you talked about that alluded to it with uh, coach henderson and building a football team and it, it really is a striking generational contrast that we've now reached with you as governor well look i was very excited about the inaugural dress it was a great day things went off well I'm very appreciative to our transition committee and our inaugural team that Really helped get me in a position to hit the ground running after I took the oath of office as the 83rd governor. Very humbling experience, but I'm also very grounded. I know i got big shoes to fill in our state. I'm ready to go to work. I'm prepared to, to do that. My life experiences have brought me to that. You know, growing up in Athens, uh, just uh, some of the experiences that I talked about in the inaugural address and what I've done in the private sector, working with all kind of different individuals in the construction field and many other, you know, in agriculture as well, serving in the legislature, serving a lot with a lot of great people that are still there on both sides of the aisle, and then also working with many of them as Secretary of State. So we're ready to go and start working on the things that you know, unfortunately, some some of the media did say I didn't have detailed policy plans. That's not true, but I've got a great opportunity to prove to people that I do. Well, and, and so the state of the state is tomorrow, and I, I just want to focus a few minutes on the bridge building. I thought the greatest sign of, of reaching across the aisle and finding unity and building bridges is that you, of all people, had your inaugural ceremony at Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah, I've caught <laughs> I've had a little bit of a, a grief from that, but... Um, I mean, I I know you needed to make Jeff Duncan feel comfortable. I I did. I did. And uh, Jeff had a nice little funny line in his speech, and uh, I had something kind of unplanned in mind that worked out pretty good uh, (laughs) with Coach Dooley being there. And uh, so that was a lot of of fun. But, look, it was a great venue. You know, I want to be an efficient governor, and logistics was important yesterday to – to save hopefully the metro commuters with uh, all that was going on with the different festivities and events that um, are required and that, that are the right thing to do when you're getting inaugurated as, as the 83rd governor. And it was just close to the Capitol. It was a good venue. And, you know, quite honestly, with the Super Bowl coming up, there's a lot of things that are tied down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just worked out great. I thought the setup was really good. We enjoyed being there, and it just turned out great. One of the things you did talk about in the speech policy-wise that I know in the state of the state you're going to expand upon is the teacher issue and giving pay raises to teachers. And one of the the bits of skepticism on the campaign trail that's continued over in some media reports is how are you going to be able to pay for teachers when you're not going to raise taxes? Well, that's exactly the plan. 
And uh, <laughs> we'll be talking more about that tomorrow. You know, we announced this morning that the Eggs and Issues Breakfast, uh, our plan for school safety was $69 million in one-time money in the amended budget to give thirty give a $30,000 grant to all 2,294 public schools in our state to help them secure our schools and keep our kids, teachers, and administrators safe in the environment which they're in. Also talked about our plan for mental health and addressing that in our high schools, and we'll be talking more about that tomorrow. But the teacher pay raise is absolutely a priority. Uh, people that know me, they know that when I say something, I plan on doing it, and that's exactly what I'm going to do, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. I did say this morning that it will be a historic pay raise that we will be talking about for our educators tomorrow. I have, have your administration begun, I mean, although early in the administration, finding sources of revenue to be able to allocate to something like that? Uh, we're very comfortable with where we are on the budget. It's going to be a, a conservative budget based on the growth that we've seen in, the, in our state, but also taking into account um, what we learned in the transition of some potential choppy waters ahead when you think about the trade issue that's going on now. Just uncertainty in different markets with, with Brexit and that, that we didn't even know until the last couple of days and, you know, how all that filters out. Our economy is very strong in the United States, and I give a lot of credit to the president for that with the tax cut and a lot of other things that have been going on. Obviously, our state is in a very good position because we've had great leadership, I think, under Governor uh, Purdue and Deal, and they've left the state in a very good position financial position. It's my job to keep that, but we've got to continue to keep us competitive with other states around the country and with international markets. So we need to continue to have a low cost of business in Georgia. We need to have, you know, an educated and ready workforce. And we have the talent, especially in the metro area, but we, we have a lot more to do there. And that'll be a focus of my administration. But we, we also, I think, need to continue to low taxes. So lower taxes. So part of the job of, of our budget team and our mission with the Putin Georgians First Commission, which I've created by executive order on the first day, which I promised I would do, would be for us to look at cutting regulations, government red tape, take some of the experiences that I've had in the legislature and the Secretary of State of using technology to streamline government, make us more efficient so we can do more with less people. So as the state grows, we don't necessarily have to keep adding state employees. We can find other ways to provide services at a lower cost, which will allow us to raise taxes, as, I mean, to lower taxes, lower taxes as long as the <laughs> economy stays good. That raises an issue here. One of the things you focused on in your uh, speech on Monday that I know you want to pick up on some tomorrow is this urban-rural divide. And We've got all the transportation issues in Atlanta with traffic and growth and expansion and a lot of rural and, and ex-urban areas that, that haven't quite become suburban areas feel like they're subsidizing Atlanta. Uh, how's the governor's office looking at, at trying to harmonize these two divisions? Well, we definitely have more to do in the metro areas, and uh, we have to have a good return on investment on those projects and make sure we're getting a good bang for the boat, bur uh, buck a good bang for the buck. And there, there's no question that people outside of the metro area do not want to pay for Atlanta's in the metro area's traffic congestion. But that being said, we've got to address it. And there's been a lot done. There's a lot being done now. And, you know, that's why I've been so 
supportive of local and regional initiatives to tackle that. I'll continue to be supportive of that, and the state will as well under a Kemp administration. But we got transportation issues in rural Georgia too. There's a lot of people that don't have access to get transportation to receive health care or to be able to get to their job or get to a job that we could potentially get them to, which is vital for our state. So I think that's something that we'll be working on, especially with the House Rural Caucus has talked a lot about that, and I know they're focused on that and their colleagues in the Senate as well. But we've also got to work on economic development in the rural areas. We need people to have good opportunities in Georgia no matter what their zip code. You know, they need access to high-speed internet, affordable health care, many, many issues down there. And I've talked about that for a long time. And, and everyone knows that. People in the metro area know that, and we'll focus on that. But it doesn't mean we're not going to keep moving the needle uh, here in Atlanta in the metro area. we got so many good things going on here. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to continue to do that. I had a great meeting with NCR today in the office just uh, catching up with them they're doing great things they want to continue to grow their operations here sk innovations uh governor deal did and i did an economic development announcement with them just over a week ago huge facility that they're going to do up the 85 corridor in jackson county that's going to be probably bigger than we all think at the end of the day that's going to be kind of a, a a bridge to divide rural parts of our state with our metro areas kind of fitting right in the middle of that up on that 85 corridor just uh, north of Gwinnett, but also an easy access for people in rural Georgia to have one of those, you know, thousand-plus jobs that's going to be up there. When we come back, I, w- I want to spend a little more time on the, the urban-rural divide and the broadband issue. also want to get into the crime issue and the GBI Task Force on Gangs. We'll be right back. is 23 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. So I am here in studio with the 83rd governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, who uh, took office on Monday afternoon, uh, being sworn in on the campus of Georgia Tech. And I I noticed um, you use a a probate judge from Trutland County swore you in. Now, why a probate judge? Well, uh, I've known T.J. Hudson and worked with him for, you know, over eight years, he actually is a superintendent of elections like many probate judges are, especially in some of our rural counties. He's a great guy. Uh, he went through a tragic automobile accident, almost lost his life uh, several months ago. And I just thought it'd be kind of neat to take a connection I had as being Secretary of State to the local courthouses. And uh, one of the reasons I think I won the elections because I had I did really well through the throughout the local courthouses around our state, which is very, very powerful in rural Georgia. It helped us turn out the vote. And I've just had good relationships with people like probate judges, tax commissioners, you know, uh, parts of the judicial branch, sheriffs and other people that are in the courthouses around our state. Tax, um, you know, I, I think I said tax clerks mm-hmm. and, and others. And so I thought it'd be kind of neat to do something a little bit different and have TJ swear me in. Uh, and boy, they, he was really excited about <laughs> that. So. It, that was big news down there in Trutland County, uh, and through rural Georgia, but it, it was kind of a neat, just a tie that I had with mm-hmm. him and, uh, he did a great job. It was a lot of fun 
and kind of helped put me at ease up there having a friend giving me the oath. You, you mentioning rural Georgia again, off air, I was, I was telling you that this past weekend, it kind of went without a lot of notice. The New York Times has a, a big study of, of economists who are noting that this is the first generation in about three in the United States where there's actually no economic benefit for people to move from rural areas to urban areas because so many businesses in urban areas have become so efficient. Uh, and they note that access to broadband in rural areas is actually one of the key impediments to people being able to make successes there, which for those of us who live in a metro area where, where everybody has high-speed internet, it, it is kind of profound. If you go up to the North Georgia mountains or uh, go down and it's Taylor County, Georgia and, and elsewhere – the lack of access to any sort of internet that you and I would be familiar with and how it keeps businesses from being able to grow and people from being able to get good jobs in the area. Well, and it's not just, um, you know, places that are in South Georgia or up in the mountains, even like there's parts of Oconee County just right outside Athens that, you know, that whole county has been growing for a lot of different reasons, but there's parts of the rural parts of Oconee County that don't have access to uh, broadband. So that's a big issue all over our state. I've had great conversations with several legislators in the last couple of days about things that they have uh, already filed and things they're working on. And that was a big part of our plan uh, to strengthen rural Georgia. So I'm definitely committed to doing that and working with everybody down there underneath the gold dome to get that done this year. They worked on it last year and didn't quite get there. But it, we absolutely need to do it and get to work on it. It's the you know, highway interstate of the 21st century. Um, we've got about a, a minute and a half left. Uh, when we come back, uh, there are a number of things I want to talk about. One, you mentioned in your speech, and I know you're going to mention in the state of the state, the, the gang and crime issue in the state. Uh, a little bit more on education beyond teacher pay raises. And now the, the other big issue, everybody wants to know what the governor's position is going to be on health care. Uh, from certificate of needs to Obamacare to the the rest, uh, we'll get into that. Um, I also want to spend a little bit of time with you on Billy Henderson. It, being from Macon, you know, the, yeah. you've got the football stadium down there named after his son, uh, and it seems like you are one of of hundreds of thousands of people who were deeply uh, impacted by his life. That'd be great. Yeah, all right. Uh, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. One programming note for you, and I realize there's a lot of stuff going on nationally uh, in Washington today. If you haven't heard Nancy Pelosi uninviting or suggesting she's going to uninvite the president of the United States from the State of the Union address because of the government shutdown. Uh, sources are telling me that uh, Republicans are meeting at the White House right now, and the president is telling them he intends to hold the fort on this. He's not going to surrender on the shutdown. I'm going to put a lot of that information in the show podcast. today. You can text the word SHOW to 444-999. In addition to being able to get the entire interview uh, with Governor Brian Kemp, you'll be able to get the additional uh, information about what's happening in Washington, D.C. today. Also in Washington today, William Barr, the attorney general nominee, was before the Senate again uh, perplexing Democrats on why he says he's not going to fire Bob Mueller and why he thinks it's not a witch hunt when the news media has said that's what the president thinks. We'll get into all of that tonight on the podcast. Text show to 444-999. We'll be back with the governor. It is 38 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. Joining me in studio, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp. And I was just saying as we were coming back on, if y'all haven't seen the weather forecast for Monday, the low in Atlanta on Sunday night, 21 degrees, and it will only get to 39 on Monday. Socks, nonetheless. My wife, who rides her Harley, really wants warm weather and sunshine. 
nonetheless. I digress. Uh, Governor, one of the things you talked about in your inaugural address and one of the things you want to talk about tomorrow, you've been talking about crime on the campaign trail. I'm actually somewhat, it, it, being here in a newsroom every day and hearing some of the ridiculous stories that come out on the growth of crime in the state, I, I'm actually kind of flabbergasted by some reporters in the state dismissing the idea that there are there are gang issues. And I know from being on the city council in Macon, we had a mayor who completely refused to believe that gangs were growing in the city. And suddenly you had a huge crime wave in the city uh, because people ignored it and, and poo-pooed the idea that maybe we should get tough on gangs. Well, I, I would encourage anybody that doesn't believe there's a problem and that that's happening in Georgia to talk to their local law enforcement officials and prosecutors because that's what I've done and I've seen it. I've seen it in the Athens area where I am. I know it's a problem. There's been surveys that back that up. Even some, you know, some media in Atlanta have questioned those, but I do not. And we're going to do something about it, really building off of where Governor Deal took us with criminal justice reform and do public safety reform. I actually talked a little bit about that this morning at the Eggs and Issues Breakfast, and I'll definitely talk about it again uh, in more depth with the, at the State of the State tomorrow. But we're going to put a... Um, you know, we're going to put a uh, within the Georgia Bureau of Investigation a gang task force, and I'm very excited about that. We've worked hard on that. I've talked to a lot of different people about how we structure that, so we've got a good plan for that. There's a lot of people that are that are working on that issue. Attorney General Chris Carr has been working on it. Vic Reynolds, who is a strong supporter of mine, the DA up in Cobb County, has just done an unbelievable job. Uh, going after gang members up there. He's also helping his colleagues around the state with prosecution because, you know, getting them and arresting them is one thing, but putting them away through the prosecution process is a whole complete different issue. So it's not just getting an arrest, but it's also making sure you can get that prosecution and get these bad people off the streets. And Eric, I know this dives into issues that you have been passionate about in the in the past, but it's, it's leading to sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. We have a, a abominable rate here in Georgia. Marty and the girls and I uh, went to a press conference uh, a little over a week ago helping highlight um, coming leading up to the Super Bowl. Delta Airlines has also targeted sex trafficking. Uh, the awareness is being raised. There's been many people who have been working on that issue. But it's the cartels and the street gangs, because of the greed for money, of selling drugs, opioids, that's leading also to sex trafficking. Uh, the opioid epidemic, it's definitely real. It's being led by a lot of the drug cartels. I think criminal justice reform is dealing with people that are having an issue that we need to get them help and turn their lives around. But, but public safety reform that I'm going to take on is going to go after the street gangs and the cartel kingpins um, and we're going to track and deport them, and we're going to arrest and lock up the street gang folks. Now, in that regard, we're seeing more and more, at least, and I'm with you, I agree with the FBI statistics and some of the think tank statistics that we're seeing this gang activity is spilling over from urban areas like Atlanta into rural areas in the state where local law enforcement there isn't necessarily equipped to be able to deal with these issues. Oh, there's, there's no doubt, and that's really what our plan will be addressing is having resources available for them. This is not some sort of mandate on them. It's something that they can ask for or they could have help with or that we'll work with them together on uh, trying to provide that resource because it is. It's not just Metro. 
And quite honestly, a lot of it's going on in the suburbs and in rural areas because in the metro, you have drug task force. So you have a gang task force, somebody like Vic Reynolds that's going after these folks. But in many of the suburban and rural areas, you do not. And they don't have the expertise to do the prosecution, even if they do get them arrested. And, you know, uh, Vic Reynolds' group at the Cobb DA's office has helped prosecutors as far away as Glenn County. Wow. Uh, so there's definitely a need there, and we've heard that from the locals, but we're going to work with state, local, and federal partnerships. I believe there's a way that we could work with our U.S. attorneys that, uh, under the leadership of President Trump, he's appointed some people that are also going after these folks. So I'm looking forward to working with them on that as well, and uh, that's just going to be a priority of ours as we move forward. Now, Governor, I'm assuming it was not a coincidence that when you put your hand on the Bible— uh, when you were sworn in, your hand was laying over the verse Proverbs sixteen seven. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Uh, note, it's also the good King James version, so the the, the proper as spoken by God version. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was kind of a, a neat verse that I think, in light of the situation that I'm in, uh, was very appropriate for the inauguration. I I had a great middle Georgia pastor that I've known that gave me a Patriots Bible, and I, I read the thing from front to back, which took me quite a while, as busy as my schedule is, but I marked a lot of different pages, and there's a lot of historical documentation throughout the Bible about historic figures um, that have you know, done certain things, and there's a lot of presidents and other people that have relied on specific verses and done the same thing when they were sworn in. And so I thought that might be a neat thing to do for the inauguration. So I was flipping back through there the other day, looking at the pages that I had marked. And that was one of the verses that I came upon. And when I read that again, I was like, that's the one I need. So that is my charge. You know, I've said in the speech that I'm going to be fighting for all Georgians, not just the ones that voted for me. And uh, I want to make, make sure that my enemies and people that maybe didn't vote for me know that I'm going to be fighting for them as their 83rd governor. Well, one of the your focuses at the beginning of your address was that we, we have all these divides, the urban, the rural, black versus white, rich versus poor, uh, and even the elections dividing us. And it, I, it seems to be a level of cynicism by some over your ability to, to unite and rally people. Uh, but at the same time, I'd note that even the Republicans in the state Senate have appointed Democrats to be chairman of, of some of the committees of the state Senate that I, I don't necessarily know that the partisan divide in Georgia is as heated as it is, even after the election, as it is in Washington. Well, I think you may see some of that at the state house from some members. You know, I hope hopefully not. Uh, I know that we're going to be respectful to every member that's down there. I understand that they are there to represent their district and they won their election and we're going to work with them where we can and we'll disagree with them respectfully uh, when we don't when we can't or the, or when we need to but in my service down there I, I saw that most of the time you know 90 95 percent of the issues that come through there there's broad bipartisan support people are working together uh, I saw that when I served in the Senate I got four bills passed when I was a, a freshman legislator that that were meaningful things like electronic medical records and allowing state agencies to email or 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 pub or send uh, their annual reports on disks instead of having to print paper copies to help save money during the budget process, just making government more efficient. Uh, dealt with a re open records issue that was very important to protect our um, 
you know, power plants, water supplies, and other things right after 9-11. And, and I worked with the Democrats and, and uh, ironically, Dubose Porter um, <laughs> on getting that passed. So as much as he, you know, as many bad things as he says about me, uh, he has experienced me working across the aisle with him on that issue and when we did Hope Scholarship Reform uh, that I worked with Democrat Representative Louise McBee on. So, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, to proving my critics wrong. It uh, doesn't mean I'm going to run for my positions or, or my principles, but it means that I will work with issues that matter to people of Georgia. And when you think about, you know, going after street gangs and drug cartels, you know, giving our educators a pay raise, strengthening rural Georgia, running that high-speed broadband internet all across our great state, dealing with transportation issues in the metro area, uh, cutting government regulations, having a good business environment, lowering our cost of doing business in Georgia, providing a great workforce and great opportunities no matter someone's zip code. There's going to be a lot of people that want to work together to do that, and that's our plan. When we come back, speaking of working together, uh, the health care issue in the state of Georgia, and also uh, we'll get the governor's response from some of the legislature who say focus on the suburbs, not the conservatives, when we come back. It is Eric Erickson here, 456. I've got Governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, in studio with me. Uh, you can text the word show to 444-999. Be able to get uh, the entire show later this evening, as well as some ancillary material I'll put up for the other news of the day. We've only got a short amount of time here. Uh, I want to get into the health care issue in the next hour. Uh, but, Governor, if you wouldn't mind... After the hurricane came through towards the end of last year, uh, would you mind giving us just a quick update on just the recovery down in South Georgia? Well, I was just I was down there uh, right before the swearing in the week before we did a, a first responders appreciation event, thanking everybody for the response. I said many times I've never been prouder to be a Georgian than when I went down there and saw how many of our men and women were responding. State agencies, Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black. You know, I give a lot of credit to President Trump and Vice President Pence, uh, former Governor Sonny Perdue, who's their Ag Secretary. I Man, there was a great response down there. There's still a lot to do. If you haven't seen it with your own eyes, it's just hard to comprehend the devastation that has happened on people's farms and in their timberlands and in their orchards. And uh, we, we're going to have to work a very long time to have a full recovery from down there. So I'm committed to doing that. There's um, you know, some interesting things that I think that we're going to have to work on in the future. We're just trying to figure out exactly how we're going to do that and what it is we need to do. But I want those folks to know that we stand ready and their fellow Georgians do as well. When we come back, uh, certificate of needs is going to be a big issue in the state legislature this year and health care reform as well. What do we do to make health care affordable and accessible in rural areas and lower costs and deal with the, the backlog of people needing health care in Georgia who can't afford it? Nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. I'm not giving you the phone number today because I'm not taking your phone calls. We gave the call screener the day off. Why? Because the governor of Georgia is in studio with me. Uh, and we have been talking for the last hour. If you missed it, you can text the word show to 444-999 and get the podcast. Right now, we need to talk about health care, which is 
I, I'm told is going to be the fight of the year in the legislature this year, tying everybody up, uh, debates between certificate of need and elsewhere. And, of course, everybody wants to know where the governor's office stands on all these issues for health care. We want to make it more affordable <laughs> and provide more access than we got right now. It's funny, uh, a buddy of mine who's a small business owner texted me and said, my health insurance cost has gone up 24.8% this year during the break. Um, and that's really what I think we need to tackle. Obviously, I've talked a lot about rural health care, and so has people in the legislature. Uh, I'm certainly supportive, as I said, I think earlier, of supporting the rural hospital tax credit. But we've got to figure out a way to have more markets to open up the free market for private sector health care to help lower costs. And you know, I spoke to that earlier with getting some waivers to Obamacare to allow for association health plans. Uh, there's several groups that are doing that now in our state. I believe that will work, and I believe it will lower cost. The state will need to be involved in that to have reinsurance programs to protect those who have pre-existing conditions, which I certainly uh, support. Uh, I, you know, I've said I've supported, will support, and and I'll I absolutely will. But we also need to look at changing the model of doing business. That's why I've opposed the Medicaid expansion. It's an easy thing to, to say and sell, but it's a broken program. And when you don't have the health care providers in the areas where you need it to provide the service, even if you were to expand it and spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars uh, more, it's just not going to work. So we need to change the model on that, and there's a lot of good ideas out there. We're going to be talking more about that and how we're going to be a part of that under Kemp administration. and work with the legislature to do just that tomorrow. So we're very excited about moving the needle on health care. So Renee Unterman uh, is, has been replaced now as chairman of the Senate uh, Health Care Committee. Uh, and one of the suggestions has been, this has a lot to do with opposition to reforming the certificate of needs, which used to, I understand, uh, be a way to make sure that nonprofit health care facilities in the state weren't having to compete against other facilities. But now in the last probably decade or so, seems like it's a way that one hospital prevents another hospital from opening. Uh, what's your thinking on certificate of needs? Well, I think it's good that we're going to have that discussion. I know the speaker and several members of the House and the, the, the rural council that's been working on health care issues, many other things in rural Georgia, uh, has been talking quite a bit about that. I think it's a discussion we need to have. That's a very, very serious issue. I know there's strong feelings on both sides of that. So I'm in the posture right now where we're going to go through the legislative process and really get educated and see what, you know, what is the best thing for us to do going forward. But I know this, our system, you know, in healthcare, the costs keep rising, is killing hardworking Georgians, and I'm open to innovation I'm open to different ways of doing things. The status quo is not working, uh, and I'm looking forward to us tackling that issue. It's going to be it's going to be a difficult issue, and I'm not talking about specifically so con per se, but just any any things that we can do to open the market up, to have more insurers that will take uh, hardworking Georgians uh, into their their programs and plans that will help lower cost. I mean, it's it's unsustainable for working Georgians in the current environment that we're in, and it's it's killing small business owners as well. 
Well, and this almost goes full circle to our discussion earlier about uh, rural needs that uh, the number of doctors I encounter who call into this program and say they, they can't work out in rural areas because just the lack of broadband, the telemedicine access out there is is impossible in lots of parts of the state where you could lower costs through technology. No, no, there's no no question about that. You also have the, the issue of we got to figure out a way to provide uh, or to incentivize or get those health care providers, doctors, nurses, uh, you know, physician assistants and other people in rural Georgia to provide the service that's needed. Um, you know, we got a doctor shortage in the state. We've got a nursing shortage. There's been a lot done to address that. There's some pretty innovative things that I've had some discussions with that, that'll probably be rolling out here during the session as well that can move the needle on that. And I'm open to all of that. We've got to tackle that issue. That's a you know huge issue for our state moving forward. Now you- and, and it's you know it's a big issue obviously in DC. It's a big issue across our country. I, I notice in the uh, preview I've seen for your State of the State address tomorrow, you you want to talk about a million dollars, if that's right, uh, yeah, a million dollars of the Department of Community Health's budget to craft some flexibility within the Medicaid plan? Well, and that's, you know, uh, the, a lot of the Atlanta media made a big deal of, of Pr- Tom Price being on a transition committee, but, you know, um, I've served with Tom Price when I was in the legislature. He he was our majority leader. He's got experience with the Congress and certainly is the Health and Human Services Secretary. He knows about how these processes work to get a, get approvals uh, through the you know the executive branch in D.C. to allow you to do some innovative things. We believe that this money that we're looking at funding will give us opportunities to figure those things out. But this is absolutely an issue we've got to work with the legislature on, and so I'm looking forward to doing that, and I know they have their thoughts on that as well. But we're definitely taking a first step to start moving the needle and uh, move it quickly. One of the issues that came up as the legislature was convening in the last couple of weeks is is the media started putting microphones in the faces of members and reflecting on what happened in November. Was There seemed to be a sense from some members of the legislature that uh, you and the legislative Republicans needed to really focus on the suburbs, and, and they were almost treating it as an, an either-or. You either work on conservatives or you work for the suburbs, uh, and pitting it as a fight there, and leaving a lot of conservatives wondering, why are we suddenly the bad guys in this when we got everybody elected? Well, I, I certainly don't feel that way. I'm going to be, as I said, working for all Georgians, and uh, you know, I'm a conservative person. I believe that there's a, a tactful way that we can bring a lot of people together through conservative policies. You know, one of my political idol, uh, idols, President Reagan, was able to do that, and uh, that's what I'm planning on doing as governor. I think a lot of the, I mean, look, I've, I'm pro-life. I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. But I've also got a lot of issues that I think will drive uh, the Metro voters going after street gangs and drug cartels being one of them, addressing sex trafficking, our opioid epidemic, and tackling infrastructure needs that we have in our state, specifically with transportation. When we come back, one of the big issues that has come up repeatedly among listeners of this program is the feeling that uh, a lot of the state infrastructure was designed to attract Fortune 500 companies at the expense of small businesses in the inaugural. Governor Kemp uh, talked about rebuilding and helping small businesses in the state. We'll explore that issue. Eric Erickson here on WSB with Governor Kemp in studio.
It is 25 after the hour. And now, when I invited all the candidates in on the campaign trail and, and interviewed all of them, the single biggest issue from every listener and the people who participated in the panels was the strong perception among Democrats, Republicans, and Independents that the state leadership, regardless of party, spent a lot of time focusing on bringing big businesses into the state and very little time helping the small businesses in the state. So I was really encouraged on uh, Monday to hear in your speech your desire to help small businesses. Well, I've been a small business guy for over 30 years, so I certainly understand that. And I know that that is a way to help us grow all parts of our state. There's a lot of areas in our state where small business people are still struggling like it's like they never came out of the recession. That's certainly not the case uh, in most of the metro areas around the state, but in many of our communities it is. And I, I think that is the next step for us to really bolster our economy no matter what somebody's zip code is. You know, the high-speed internet in rural Georgia and other parts of our state that don't have it is a big part of that, obviously. But also just cutting government regulations, continue to cut taxes uh, so we're putting more money in people's pockets and that they can, you know, have better bottom lines and, and provide for their families. And that's even more important now than ever because, dang, health care costs keep going up. And obviously, I think, you know, tackling that issue and, and sustaining and lowering costs will help small business as well. So that ties right into it. But small business drives our economy, Eric. I mean, it's it's the numbers out there um, of the number of jobs that are provided by small businesses huge. Most, you know, I think it's something like 95% or 98% of businesses in Georgia hire less than 50 people. And uh, we do we do focus a lot on, on big corporations and, you know, corporate relocations coming to Georgia. And, you know, example is SK Innovations coming. It's going to provide a lot of jobs. I believe that will spin off to provide a lot of other small business jobs in that community. But I think we also need, now is the time, and it's a good opportunity to do it with the environment that we have in our state to focus more on small business and see how we grow our existing industries, many of them small businesses. Be as excited about an, you know a 5 or a 10 or a $25 million expansion in a, in a community outside of our metro area it, as much as we're excited about a $500 million or a billion-dollar investment, you know, uh, uh, with, a, with a big manufacturing facility. And we could do both in our state, but that will certainly be a focus under the Kemp administration. I want to keep talking about small businesses when we come back. It's such a concern, uh, particularly as the economy. We're not so sure what's going to happen with trade and tariffs. Uh, and then a final wrap-up with the governor as he heads into a State of the State speech tomorrow. It is 40 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. I have in studio with me, been very gracious with this time, the 83rd governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I said I wanted to talk a little bit about more about small business when we came back, but I, I really, just given the clock, I want to deviate a little bit from that and talk about Coach Henderson, uh, who you 
really, I thought, did a very good job of, of weaving his story and your interactions with him through your inaugural address, uh, deviating from it at times to talk about some of the policy issues, but then coming back to it, tying it all together, which I, I thought was a good format for the speech. Uh, really, for those who don't know him, he was from Macon, uh, was a football coach around the state in Athens, uh, where Governor Kemp uh, came to know him, just a profound figure on hundreds of thousands of Georgians. He really was. And, uh, you know, uh, people have always said, you know, he inspired a lot of high school football players, but it wasn't just that. He inspired cheerleaders. You know, my wife, Marty, cheered at Clark Central. She still gets nervous at being late somewhere. Co- Coach Henderson would say, if you're, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're 15 minutes late, and he would make you run. <laughs> uh, he he inspired people that were in the band that were playing at the football games on Friday night. He brought our whole school together. He brought our community together. It was really uh, unbelievable. But he also had a lot of adversity in his life. I spoke about him losing his father at a young age and how his mother sacrificed on his behalf. And his son, Brad, got killed on Labor Day, tragic car accident. Uh, hit by a drunk driver, uh, his girlfriend and him both passed away in that wreck in 1964, but he never missed a day of practice, and he, he fought through it. He had very strong faith, and, you know, he relayed all of that, those life stories to us, and he pushed us to get through adversity, and if you ever had to play for him and experience the wrath of him at football camp, you had to get through adversity. And we all did. We were more worried about surviving the day than we were any kind of politics <laughs> that were in the room uh, at the day. And it was really amazing how he would build teams. And, you know, the, I related that to my job as governor. I've got to build some coalitions and some teams to get some good things done at, at, uh, in the state and at the state house. And that's exactly what I plan to do. But, you know, I knew Coach Henderson and his family very well. I had the honor of playing in, in – uh, Henderson Stadium in Macon when I was in high school and Coach Henderson was coaching me. I'm sure that was a very moving moment for him. I saw, you know, Brad Henderson's brother and Coach Henderson's son, Johnny, play Legion baseball and, and watch them. I saw him play for the University of Georgia as a defensive back on the 76 team that went to the Sugar Bowl and got beat by Tony Dorsett, I believe it was, <laughs> in, the, in Pittsburgh. Uh, but they're, they're an amazing family, and uh, he passed away not too long ago. But he had big influence not on, only on my life, but there's people in Macon that I know that still talk about the influence they had on him when he was coaching in Macon. And what really my tie to Coach Henderson went back long before I ever met him. He was a student coach at Athens High when my mother was in high school. So when he came back to Athens, he was one of the, you know, she was one of the few people that he knew in the community. And so she introduced him to me at the, at the time, um, you know, I, I just got, I guess, you know, infatuated with his program and, and the impact he was having and started going to his football camps at a very young age and, and being a ball boy and just saw how he was bringing athletes, not just from Clark Central, but from all over the area that are participating, he helped them. And they were playing on other teams, you know, in, in other counties around us or other schools around us. And he was just a, a great team builder, and uh, he cared about young people, and that showed throughout his whole life. It had a big impact on me as well as my parents and teachers and, and other folks. But uh, I thought that was a great way to, to really kick off my administration and get going. Right. 
Governor, on, on Coach Henderson, one of the points you, you've kind of alluded to here and in your speeches, he was really instrumental in the athens Clark County area in, in helping uh, bridge the racial divide through football and, and making sure players across racial lines could learn how to build teamwork together. And it seemed like that had a real impact on a lot of people. Well, you, you could see it, and he talked about it. And he said, look, we all bleed red. <laughs> that was his uh, – he said, we're going to bleed and we're going to hurt and we're going to fight together. And that's what happened with those early teams. I mean, I specifically remember, I think it was in 1973 that uh, Clark Central and I was on the field carrying the, the tub of bubble gum for him <laughs> at those games and riding the bus. And I remember a lot of those players well – but Tom Gary uh, and Doug Henson were two quarterbacks, and they shared time. Tom Gary was African-American, and Doug Henson was white. And, um, you know, so you can imagine trying to deal with, with a quarterback controversy in 1973. But, you know, he molded that team together, and that's really when the whole thing started taking off. And, you know, by the time it got into the late 70s, uh, he started, or yeah, like seventy-seven, seventy-nine. He was winning state championships because he could, he could have those folks come together and work together, and they were all great athletes. And he had to figure out how to get them to a place in the right position and and work through the politics of all that, you know, through sports. Right. And it was neat to see him do that. And I was fortunate as a young man to be able to see that long before he ever coached me uh, when I was in high school. So essentially what you're saying is you're going to do a legislative rugby team and let all the Democrats and Republicans play each (laughs) other on the field. (laughs) Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I mentioned this morning that I'm looking forward to working with uh, Speaker Ralston in the House and Lieutenant Governor Duncan in the Senate. And uh, we're going – we have the opportunity to do some good things. We live in a great state. We've got a lot of opportunity here. We have a lot of challenges as well. But every governor's experienced that. And uh, I'm just going to hunker down and work hard every day. I want people to know that whenever my service is up, that they can say this about me, that I worked hard every day fighting for them, and that when I left office, I left this office better than I found it. Eric Erickson here on WSB with Governor Brian Kemp. We'll be back with some parting words from the governor in just a moment. It is 55 after the hour. Uh, Governor Brian Kemp has been in studio the last two hours with me. Very gracious with his time after just getting elected and, and inaugurated. If you want to hear the whole show, you can text the word show to 444-999. You can go to the resurgent.com as well, where we will have it up uh, later this evening. Uh, Governor, the floor is yours. you got about two minutes here. Uh, your closing thoughts as you head into the state of the state speech tomorrow. Well, Eric, first of all, I'd like to thank you for having me on, giving me the opportunity to get into a little more detail and we're going to certainly do that going into the state of the state tomorrow. I'm very excited about the opportunity we have this legislative session. You know, my my thought here and and our actions are going to be that we're we're going to hit. We've hit the ground running, and uh, we want to get a lot of the things that we said we'd do done this year. Some of them we're going to have to do next year and and probably the third year. But we've got a, a big agenda this year. We're looking forward to working with the legislature on their agenda so that we're successful. We keep Georgia moving forward. We've got, I believe, the greatest state in the country to live, work, and raise your family. When you think about our you know, logistics hubs from the airport to the Port of Savannah, our ag economy, tourism, just uh, you know, great, great opportunity here. You think about cyber and Augusta, FinTech, and Columbus. 
great opportunities, I think, in Macon and, and Savannah as well with the I-16 corridor and I-75 going down south. Got a lot of lot of opportunities, but we have also have a lot of challenges ahead of us. But I'm ready to tackle those and work with everybody to do it and let Georgians know that I'm going to put them first and I'm going to be fighting for them every day, even if they didn't vote for me. Now, the State of the State speech, what time is it tomorrow? 11 a.m. 11 a.m. And you, I know GPB will be covering it live, and we will be covering it here on the show tomorrow night. And then you got the gala. So you got a, a busy week coming up for you. Already had a busy week. Thank you for taking the time. Well, it is a busy week, but we're honored. You know, Marty and the girls are going to be a great part of our first family, and we will represent this state well and work hard every day. Thank you very much. Governor Brian Kemp here in studio with us at WSB. I'm Eric Erickson. You can text the word show to 444-999 to get a copy of our interview.